What's going on, everybody? We're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, episode number 31, and I got the man, Brad Rowe, with me. How are you, Brad? I'm doing good, Fuad. How you been? Very, very good. I uh, I keep seeing your Instagram popping up, and I keep seeing different physique shots. It seems like you're always shredded. What's going on? <laughs> I feel like a fat boy right now, but um, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, as much as I love bodybuilding, I realize that structurally, um, I'm never going to be an elite guy, so just adding on endless amounts of mass isn't really going to improve my physique that much and improve placings. Mm. Um, so for me, staying in shape and looking good year round and, and being marketable is kind of what I built my brand on. You know, I do commercial acting and things like that. And I'm always available for photo shoots. So just over the years, it's kind of been the most beneficial for me to kind of stay in good shape. So you kind of touched on something that I've actually been really curious about because correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw you, what, what year did you turn pro in? Uh, 13. Okay, so I saw you turn pro, and then I saw you like start building mass and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the last couple of years, I've seen you almost not necessarily smaller, but you've streamlined your physique. Yeah, is yeah. that kind of is that kind of accurate? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I saw that. You know, I've done a couple of off seasons where you know I go up to two eighty, and when I come down, I just feel like the only thing that grew is my waist. Yeah. You know? So it it didn't improve my physique at all. Um, so now the past couple of years, I've just kind of focused on, you know, getting my delts to pop a little more, my lats to get a little wider and, uh, really focus on trying to keep my waist down as much as possible, atrophy those obliques a little bit so that I have a much better flow on stage. Can you atrophy your obliques? Do you think that's possible? I mean, I, I, if you look back from my beginning of my career, like when I turned pro till now, my waist is significantly different. Your waist looks very, like a lot smaller, Yeah, But but I wonder, was it? Okay, we're we're touching on a whole bunch of different things, and we're going to get yeah. into them. we're going to get into them like more more specifically for those of you watching. But let's just start with let's start with the thing where we're like I want to talk to you about the most, which is your waist. Yeah. So when you started, like you said, your waist kind of started to grow a little bit, and yeah. then you you kind of brought it down. Now I always thought it was almost impossible to shrink your obliques. What are but yours have like your waist has gotten smaller and tighter, and you pull even deeper an even deeper vacuum now. Yeah. What is like the main thing you attribute that to? Um, I'm going to say that staying away from squats and deadlifts and a lot of bent over stuff where you're really engaging your core Mm -hmm. and you're thickening up those muscles. Um, Part of that is because of injury, truly. I mean, I I love to squat. I love to deadlift. You know, I grew up as an athlete, uh, played football in college. So that's all we did. And Mm -hmm. I was always taught never wear a belt because you wanted your core as strong as possible. So right. I've been thick wasted since I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, and it served a great purpose as, as a football player, but as a bodybuilder, it didn't. And then, um, you know, I hurt my back really bad in was it 13, um, herniated discs. And okay. pretty much since then I've had to back off doing deadlifts and squats and, and really any like bent over movement that puts any pressure on my lower back and makes you engage your core more. And I truly feel like doing those things, or staying away from those has helped kind of bring things down a little bit. It does make sense. But at the same time, like the opposite argument is what do you say to those people who say like all the guys in the seventies and eighties used to squat and deadlift and everything. They didn't have thick waists. Why do you think we struggle with that? They're also not even close to our size. That's the biggest fucking bullshit argument about all this stuff. Everybody talks about quality of physiques, but yet we are so much bigger than the guys back then. Even yeah. looking at the 90s with Cormier and Flex and all those guys, I'm fucking 240 on stage, and I'm small at 5'9", but yeah. yet 
Cormier, I mean, Flex at his best was 218. Cormier was in the low 230s, yeah. you know? So just we've gotten so much bigger, and with that becomes a decrease in quality, I believe, because we're just but, chasing size. But do you think that's the exercises, or do you think maybe it's the amount of food we're eating in combination with the exercise? I, I, I think it's a combination of everything, truly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, tell, like, I just started doing carbs again. And I already feel like my waist is just blown up. And, and, and you know, I know that a lot of that's just inflammation. Yeah. But uh, if you're continually in an inflamed state, then, you know, things are going to grow. Things are going to get bigger and, and, and push out more. So, so you, so, okay. So we'll take step one as the, a lot of the bent over compound exercises and squats and things like that. Yeah. But step, step two, I want to talk to you about was um, you, I know you, you do, you're known for a lot of keto. Yeah. How long have you been doing keto? Uh, over a year now, consistently. So it was something that I kind of dabbled in, in between like prep and off season every year, you know, just kind of a health phase, a, a detox for, you know, eight weeks or so, um, come off all the gear. And I just started doing keto just to reduce inflammation and increase insulin sensitivity. And I found that I felt great when I was doing it. And then mm -hmm. last year I kind of decided I was going to take the whole year off. Um, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this experiment where I'm going to do keto for an entire year and prove that I can maintain a, a very worthy physique off of this, yeah. you know, that just feel better and, and improve health markers as well. Um, you know, there's the, the old dietary guidelines that, you know, have high fats and cholesterol affect your HDL, LDL and things like that. But actually my blood work improved with yeah. quality fats. Um, and then, like I said, from a, from a fasting and keto standpoint, I'm eating less voluminous foods. I was fasting, you know, 16 upwards of 20 hours a day, at least six days a week. And I felt like a million bucks and I was able to maintain like 235, 240 while on a true HRT regimen by doing so that. Let's stay with a keto for one second. So yeah. I, I want to stay with it because I've tried it myself. The longest I think I've ever done it for is probably six weeks. And I noticed the same thing you noticed. I felt amazing. My stomach actually felt flatter. Yep. And all my blood work markers got better. Yeah. But I feel like I suffered in the gym. How are you able to maintain the strength and the size? On uh, so honestly, one of our biggest mind fucks as a, as a bodybuilder is not being able to get that pump. You know, okay. people worried about the pump. And, you know, that's why you see a lot of guys not get in shape on stage because they're so worried about looking flat or feeling flat. For me, that was never an issue. I don't care about what I look like when I'm in the gym or how things feel when I'm in the gym. It's just all about how much damn work are you putting in every day? Mm -hmm. So if you're putting in the intensity and you're training balls out, then, and as long as you're matching nutrition, then everything's fine. It doesn't matter how you look and how you feel. But don't you think that, and I, I'm not trying to like, uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Don't you think that the, like in my, in my example, I chased like, you're right. I chased that pump but I kind of gauge my workouts by that pump. So if I'm not getting a pump at all or very little, I feel like my workout's not what it's supposed to be. Do you get that at all? Or you don't, you've kind of thought past that. I, I kind of thought past that. I, I know, I know what my effort needs to be at. I know yeah. what my intensity needs to be at. And as long as I match that each workout, then, then I'm happy with, with your, how things go. Is your strength the same and endurance and all that? Uh, weaker. I'm definitely weaker a little bit. Okay. And, and endurance, endurance is probably the same. So you've decided that instead of trying to be, because I think one of the things I did was once I saw my waist get a little bit thicker, I decided I had to be bigger everywhere else to, right. to overcome the, the thickness of the waist. Yeah. 
and it's a, a never ending. It's a it's a losing prop. It's a losing fucking. Uh, it's a losing game because the bigger your chest gets, your shoulders get, the bigger your waist gets. Yeah. So you decided that okay, I have enough muscle. I'm just going to work on shrinking my waist. But I don't understand how you're able to keep the size because I felt like my muscles shrank, like immediately. Um, I mean, I'm going to give a lot of credit to that to the newbie. Um, you know, okay. that's a thing. Like I, I train with that device every single day. How do you train? For those of you who don't know, the newbie is explain the newbie to these people, to everybody listening. So the newbie is a neurological device. It's it's not a typical stim machine that sends a signal, a DC current that mimics our own body's nervous system signal. So when we put it on different muscle groups that we're training and we crank you up, we're eliciting a 95 to 100 percent muscle fiber recruitment on every rep you do, making training extremely efficient. The most elite athletes in the world are lucky if they're getting 60 to 65 percent recruitment. The reason why we have to train heavy, we have to do drop sets and all these other intensity techniques is to recruit more muscle fiber. And we're doing this by adding an electric stimulation to it. Yeah. So you actually physically train through this. This isn't one of those stim machines like the stupid compact shit that these yeah. people promote. All that does is forcibly cause a contraction, which absolutely yeah. does nothing whatsoever. It's yeah. good if you have like a little injury and you just want to warm up the muscle, but it, but this actually will improve neurological function. If you have nerve damage in an area yeah. and continued use of this, we're actually forcibly regrow new neural pathways to improve okay. neurological connection. So this device, it's, it's a therapeutic device first and foremost, made for recovery from surgeries, Parkinson's, MS, anything neurologically related, okay. this, can, this can help with. Different so, frequencies do different things. So how did you get hooked up with that? Did they just come to the gym and decide they want to try it on you or like? Uh, my wife had a serious accident a little over two years, about two years ago now. I she remember was, that. Yeah, she was doing a hammer swing shoulder press yeah. facing in and the seat collapsed with weight overhead. She went to a split and tore uh, both of her rec fem tendon insertions in her hip. It was just enough where she didn't need surgery, but she was supposed to be in a walker for 12 weeks. And uh, Leroy Brown was a power lifter. Um, he's trained at Golds a couple times with Mike O'Hearn. And he met us once and just became like fans of ours and started following us. And he saw the injury and he had been doing stuff with New Fit. So he like, he sent over info to them and like, hey, these are great guys. You know, she's awesome. Can you get them a device so she can heal faster? So yeah. they loaned us a device. By 12 weeks, she was leg pressing at about 70% strength. When she no was way. Still. Yeah. So we sent the device back uh, because they had a shortage of machines. And then that following August, I ruptured my bicep tending at a photo shoot uh, in Dallas. And they were actually there doing a demo because it was the five-year anniversary of Destination Dallas. Yeah. And they're like, listen, we'll get you back on stage in no time. I promise we'll get you the device. So like five weeks post-op, they got me a device and I ended up stepping on stage 14 weeks post-op and I was curling a 50 pound dumbbell at 14 weeks post-op when they said it was 16 weeks for us to be able to do any yeah. uh, direct bicep work whatsoever, you know, yeah. and I took fifth in Romania. So wow. once, once that happened, I was like, this thing's crazy. So I got back from Romania and I did my first actual workout with it. Cause all I did during that phase was just rehab. Yeah. I trained arms and like an idiot, I did a full arm workout yeah. and I was fucked. Literally like T-Rex, my arms are stuck like this. Yeah. I'm not shitting you for like nine days. I really? couldn't. Yeah, so I was like, this shit's crazy. Okay, so, wait, let me ask you this question. Did, did you have to buy it or did they just let you use it or? Well, they, they loaned it to me but for the first time that my wife got hurt. Then I leased yeah. it when I got hurt and then I ended up buying it. How much uh, is it? Uh, $18,000. You're so, fucking kidding me. Yeah, it's, it's a hefty price tag. But if you're a trainer or you're a physical therapist or something like that, I'm pulling an easy 20 and 25 K a month training people on it. 
you know, because you let because you're kind of renting it to people for their for their workouts. Is that what you're doing? Well, I, I train people and I use like it you're using them. it on them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are, that's, are you, but are you able clients. are you are you able to charge more for the client because you're using yeah. it on them? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm pulling like 175 to 200 bucks a session with that, depending if it's rehab or training. Yeah, um, and I'm booked. You know, I could have seven to nine clients a day, all day, every day, if I want. Wow, so, great. Okay, so okay for. <laughs> So, okay, let me go back. So let me, let me go back. Cause I'm still stuck on the keto thing. Right, the keto and that's how I maintain the muscle. With- yeah, that's right. But I want to know, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think you would do the keto thing? Cause you said you've been doing keto for a year. Yeah. How long have you had the machine for? Uh, a year. So you, put, you kind of did them together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you would be doing keto if it wasn't for the machine? I would have done it without a doubt. Yeah. Just because I, I, I set my mind to, to doing this experiment for the year just to see what happened. I prepped everything. You know, I did when I started, um, when I got ready for Japan, I was 14 weeks out and that's, I even tried, I grew off keto. You know, I was about 235, and then I started increasing fats like crazy. I spent the first seven weeks of, of that 14 week prep adding tissue. I got up to 270 yeah. and cut back down. I was 242 on stage. Wait a minute. You got up, you got up to, t- I'm sorry to keep interrupting. I'm just blown away yeah. by this. The, <laughs> you got up to 270. Doing keto. Doing keto. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you doing true keto? Like, you know, 30% true protein? Not, not, not the Dave Colombo bullshit where you're eating seven ounces of protein and whatever. I, yeah. was getting, I was getting, especially during the bulking phase, I was getting about 75% of my calories from fats. What is that diet? Because, listen, I tried keto and, and I, I guess – I can't say I did a real keto then. I guess mine was more a modified version with the higher protein, yeah. which isn't yeah. really which isn't really keto. It's just no carbs. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But it, I still found it really hard to make meals. What are you eating to eat? So like a typical meal, I'd, I'd do like three and a half, four ounces of beef. You know, like a um, I'd get a a, a good um, tri tip. Yeah. Know, so, or like a ribeye, something that's really fatty. Yeah. So about four ounces of that, and then I'd do about like. 30 grams of grass-fed butter melted on top of it with some cheese in there. And then I'd do uh, like 150 grams of guac. Um, I'm addicted to pork rinds. I'd sit down and eat a whole bag of pork rinds with that meal and then have a couple of nuts. Uh, Costco made these um, egg bites. So they're whole eggs, bacon, and cheese. And for four of the little egg bites, it gave you 40 grams of protein and 50 grams of fat. Then I'd have a handful of uh, nuts or these Keto Perfect bars, which are 10 grams of collagen peptide protein with 20 grams of fat from MCT and almond butter. Okay, wait a minute. Training people all day, it was easy. I'd just eat four of those egg bites and and one of the Keto bars. And I was just, you know, three bites and your whole meal's done. That that was the the beauty of it, the convenience of being able to eat a small meal. Can you give me one meal? Like what, what was, what is breakfast? Just give me one meal. What's breakfast? Breakfast would be like that beef meal. I do like so just the ounces. beef. Yeah, yeah, four four ounces of beef with a ton of grass fed butter, um, or some um, some duck fat. Uh, you know, half a bag of pork rinds and some guac. Okay, because I was only eating two to three meals a day as well. So, oh, that's the other thing. So you're okay. That's a whole. That's a whole other thing. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so you're doing. How did you like? Okay, I guess I haven't done anything close to that. How did you feel? eating a meal with that much fat in it. Cause I've never done that. Like a million bucks. No, no, like I'm a gassy motherfucker. Yeah. I would not fart at all until maybe right before I went to bed. 
the fats just they worked so well on me. I had no gas, no bloating. Yeah. So I felt like a million bucks. Is this something that you've tried on anybody else? That, or is this like, because I know sometimes some things work great for one person and not for another. Right. I mean, I've, I've tried it on other clients. Um, yeah. You know, I, I prep between 40 and 50 people. Um, so I, I do experiments with them, you know, especially not really in prep mode itself, but mostly like, like I said, in between phases, yeah. it's kind of a detox period. And I've seen people that, you know, just their bodies went shit and their blood work went to shit off of it. So I, I don't think it's a, a great thing for everybody. You know, every body has its own type of diet and its own type of nutritional breakdown that it needs to perform its best. So, I mean, I've seen people that just didn't, didn't respond well off it at all, you know, severe diarrhea and all these other issues. Really? So you think this is something that you just found that's like the puzzle that fits your body? Right. Yeah. hundred percent. What about when you first started it? Was it scary at first or did it always, did it just click right away? That just clicked right away. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I've never, I've never, I think maybe I, it's something I've always wanted to try. I've never tried like a hundred percent keto, like with all the fats. Yeah. I don't know if that would be different because I just, I didn't, I never felt good on my version, which is not like right. I said, not real keto. Right. You probably, did, yeah, you did. You think we're eating enough fats to, you know, increase the ketone levels, which once you get into ketosis, the mental clarity and everything is amazing. Yeah. yeah pre and post workout, I would do like 40 grams of uh, MCT oil for pre and intra, and then another 30 or 40 post too. So you're getting a lot of really fast acting fats right away. So, and once I get a pump, when I started training, I'd, I'd actually fill out pretty good. I'd look flat when I walk in the gym. Then once they start training, everything would fill out volumized. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Wow. I'm, I'm like, I'm blown away by this. So after, so you did this for a year and, but you said you're only eating two or three meals a day. Yeah. So what, what was the time frame? Like when did you start eating? When did you stop eating? Typically my last meal would be about 8 PM. Um, I work, I work till about six by the time I get home and, and unpack and shower to eat at eight. And then I wouldn't eat again until two, sometimes four o'clock the next day. Okay. And, and all I'd have is just water and black coffee in that fasting phase, a true fast. No, no gum, no artificial sweeteners, nothing. Like a true fast. Is coffee is coffee considered part of a true fast? Yeah, yeah, black coffee. Okay, because I was under the impression that coffee released certain enzymes that would actually negate your fast. You can't have a ton of it, um, okay. but like about six ounces. I'd do like a little six-ounce cold brew and have that, but mostly just all alkalinized water is what I lived off of. Why the alkalinized water? Uh, I mean, I don't know. You, you can think two ways of it. You know, obviously we run acidic as human beings and everything wants to go on homeostasis. So as soon as you put a, a, an alkaline product into your, in your stomach, it hits an acidic area. So it's just yeah. going to neutralize. But yeah. I don't know. It tastes better. So fuck it. Why not try it? <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I'm not like, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, that's just like, I've, I've never seen any true evidence that, that proves that drinking alkaline water actually affects our body's pH because we're, we're creatures of homeostasis. Yeah. So whether you're, you're extremely acidic or extremely alkaline, your body balances itself out. So one of the, but one of the theories I have that actually goes to your point is that if you're eating a lot of acidic foods all the time, your body's working harder to right, bring to, you, to, to, to bring, bring you back to that. Yeah. To right, bring you back exactly. to that level. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that you're already kind of, you're kind of helping your body by not. A little bit. Yeah. That makes sense. So, you're fasting from eight to four. That's uh, 20 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Almost uh, like, like leg days. Um, Cause obviously I didn't need legs. So like when I train legs, I'd fast for 20 plus hours. 
um, off days, I'd fast for 20 hours every once in a while, like every three or four weeks, I threw in a 36 hour fast in, um, and then bigger body parts that I needed to like back and chest, I'd do just like 16 hours of fasting and try to get say, some nutrients in. Do you say a 36 hour fast? Yeah. Yeah. And that's try just it. water and water and coffee. Yeah. The whole time. How are you not fucking 200 pounds? What, how, <laughs> how's this, how's this possible? It's like goes against everything we know. But it's yeah, same thing with you, Fouad. I mean, you, you have so much dense muscle that you've created. It's it's really hard to lose that much muscle. You know, if you're a newbie and you're trying to build tissue and you're first coming up in the sport, I don't recommend it whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not foolish. Um, and I also know that eating carbs is the best way to build tissue. You know, it's just this is something that I wanted to try personally and something that fit my lifestyle. Yeah. And, and made me feel good and healthy. And once I'm done with bodybuilding, I'm 100% sticking to keto the rest of my life. Yeah. So how do you get through 36 hours without, like, does the hunger is not too much for you? No, because you build your way up to it. I mean, on, like the first, like hours 14 through 16 are probably the biggest bitch. Okay. And then after that, once you pass like 20 hours, you feel high. Like literally you have like a, you feel like you've taken Adderall or something like your mind is just, uh, and that's the hardest part is trying to fall asleep that first night Yeah, is, is when like, it, it's not even the hunger pains. It's just, you feel like you're on Adderall, like you're high. Yeah. It's like I've had to smoke a shit ton of weed just to bring myself down <laughs> and to sleep. But outside of that, yeah. And then once you wake up the next day, you're like a million bucks. So my waist was retardedly small. Is weed part of the fast? Like you can, do you smoke weed? Uh, I, I fall asleep too easy. I wish like there's people that are like, Oh, I, I smoke and train. I can't do that. If I smoked, I'd either like yeah. fall asleep on a machine or I'd just start talking to someone for like six hours and not yeah. even get a workout in. So I just, I do it to relax at night and go to bed. Um, what benefits have you, why did you start the fasting? What was the, what was the purpose just for your waist or is there something else? Uh, waste, you know, try to get some of that inflammation down. Um, and, uh, also just health purposes. As you know, um, you know, after about 16 hours, your body actually goes in autophagy, which is the ability to heal tissue. So especially in our digestive system, once when we're always processing food, the, the mucosal lining in the gut and everything can't properly heal itself. So you're giving your, your, your intestinal tract an opportunity to heal. Okay. Uh, plus, you know, you're increasing ghrelin levels and all these other things that help boost metabolism and strengthen immunity and everything else. So there's just so many health benefits that, that go along with it. So you think if somebody fasted, because I've talked to John about this, John Meadows. Yeah. And John thinks like a 24-hour fast once a week could benefit everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like whether, you do, whether you're doing, sorry, he, he said like whether you're doing carbs or keto, 24 yeah. hours a day, uh, a week would be amazing for you. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so what's your competition plans then? If you, okay, let's say now, because I've seen some recent pictures of you, you look like your stomach looks great. Like it's, you look like you've shrank it considerably. Guess so, what, what are the, what's the plan for this year? Do you keep shrinking it and get back on stage or are you not competing anymore? Or how's that? No, actually, so I'm going to make a big push this year. Last year, I promised my wife I was going to take the whole year off. And then uh, I got the itch around August. So I decided to jump in Japan. Um, she was so busy with her dog rescue and everything. I was like, screw it, Mike, you're not around anyway. So I might as well do something. Yeah. Uh, and I truly, I want this to be kind of my retirement run. So I'm going to hit the honor of Brazil. I'm uh, just 13 and a half weeks out. Okay. Um, I'll probably jump in New York then do the cow. And then they have a new show in Boston, which is my home area. So yeah. my family, an opportunity to see me compete. They never have. 
and then I might take July, August off and uh, hit some shows in the fall. Try to I want to travel and do a lot more international shows too, and try to just not only build my name internationally, but just go take advantage of bodybuilding, go see different places. Like going to yeah. Japan was cool. Me and my wife made a trip out of it. You know, so just things like that. So I'm gonna try to hit like five or six shows this year, and God willing, I can do decent at a couple of them, and I can get an invite to the Arnold next year. And that's mm-hmm. my last, my bucket list shows. Yeah, Arnold, and then I'm hanging it up, having kids, and just spreading my knowledge and, and working on people. So what? You don't. You're how old are you? You're not that old, are you? Uh, 36. So you're 36. So you're planning retirement at 37. About that, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll be 37 and a half. Why it's, it's, um, not that it's a bad idea or anything. I just, it seems like not the normal bodybuilding story. Why, why so early? Uh, my aspirations in life, um, are kind of the opposite of what bodybuilding is. So right now I'm in the process of trying to open an elite performance center and it's going to bring in all these, uh, crazy technological modalities like the new fit, like, um, biohack itself like infrared saunas red light therapy pmf um, a place a, a one-stop shop a hormone and wellness clinic everything a one-stop shop to perform and feel your best yeah. and for me to be the face of that i need to be smaller you know i need to be sure. lean mean and and look and be an athlete again you know another thing i did last year is i focused more on being an athlete yeah twice a week i was doing athletic work and then all the way up to one week out i was doing box jumps and plyos and all this stuff so I want to get back to being an athlete and shrink down to about 225, 230 and just be the health, the face of health and wellness. So you, know, you, you played football in high school and college? Yeah. Yeah. What position? I was a running back. What happened to football? Was it just that you, you just didn't get drafted or you decided not to do it anymore? I mean, I didn't play at a big enough school really. I just played at a small division one school and okay. you know, I, I kind of screwed my own career up with being a dumbass and, Getting motorcycle accidents twice going into Are you uh, serious, <laughs> yeah, yeah, going into my uh, sophomore year after starting the whole year being rookie conference of the player of the year, I uh, got to a motorcycle accident on my twenty first birthday and ripped my knee up, missed all preseason. Holy shit! So I'm just getting a little slap on the wrist, and then the following year, I moved down to South Carolina to live with my best friend at Myrtle Beach for that summer. Yeah, and I flipped the bike doing seventy on the highway and. Uh, took a huge chunk out of my knee and they wouldn't clear me for practice because they were afraid of infection. Yeah. And then once I did get cleared, I tore my hamstring and missed like the first four games. And uh, then my career was just kind of done after that. Then I focused on, I wanted to be a doctor. So I was like, you know what, screw this. I want to graduate on time. So I actually quit football my senior year, which is my biggest mistake yeah. because I needed to do internships and stuff like that with uh, all these doctors so that I could graduate on time and have a strong enough resume to apply to medical school. And, uh, a fucking bodybuilder so that didn't- <laughs> wait a minute you just skipped over like a whole bunch of shit so <laughs> <laughs> you're like i want to be a doctor fuck it now i'm a bodybuilder yeah but- yeah no, I, mean, I went to the so I, I took a year off after i graduated i went to grad school and i got my master's at a graduate program focused on getting people into medical school like we took first year medical school classes did great and uh i was working doing construction at the time because i was broke as shit i couldn't even apply yeah. to medical school and uh, that's when Ed Connors reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to get into bodybuilding. Um, well, him and, and Adam Silver, who was a, a fitness model agent for a while. Where were you? Where were you living at the time? Uh, I was in New Hampshire. You're in New Hampshire, so they reached out to you. I think I got a message from Adam Silver way back in the day, yeah, yeah. as well. So you're trying to get into med school, and you were working construction trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I was just always in good shape. I was the ultimate warrior one year for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, that was my MySpace profile picture, and 
MySpace. <laughs> yeah. So Ed had reached out to yeah. me, and I knew who the fuck Ed was. I thought he was just some old creepy dude, so I ignored him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Adam Silver reached out, and he was like, "Oh, you want to be a fitness model?" I'm like, "Not really, but if it pays." Yeah. And he booked me a bunch of like big stuff. I got like a five-year GNC ad campaign right away and muscle yeah. and fitness. I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. And then I moved to New York uh, to live with him mm-hmm. and uh, got into commercial work. And he convinced me to compete. So okay. I started getting ready for my first show. And uh, I was down in New York and I went into the bathroom. I took a big shit and I came out and uh, I hit a crazy vacuum for him. Yeah. And he was like, oh shit. He's like, I know this company that's trying to do this throwback to 70s. He's yeah. like, the picture and send you in. Sure enough, it was Universal. Oh, okay. So, uh, Universal signed me like a week before my first show and I was like, all right, well, I'm getting paid to do this. So yeah. I'll put, you know, med school on the back burner for a couple of years and see what happens. And then uh, like a month later, Ed reached back out again and flew me out to California. And once I got out here, I was like, all right, I'm moving here. Sold all my shit, moved out. You just loved it that much. You just knew. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a crazy story, man. So you started the modeling thing before the bodybuilding thing. Yeah. Yep. So, cause I know for a lot of guys, it starts with the bodybuilding thing and then they decide to do some auditions and shit. So you did the other way around. Right. Right. Why did you like the doing auditions and the commercials and all that shit? Um, it has its ups and downs, you yeah. know, like, like right now I still do commercial work. Um, but it's, it, it's kind of dying at this point. But Why? the best thing is uh, just because like with Hulu and Netflix and everything, yeah. the number of commercials have significantly reduced. And right. the past couple of years, they just, they haven't done anything with muscle. Like literally I went on like two auditions all of last year. Mm-hmm. The year before that was like two auditions. Um, so one of the only reasons why I do it, like, so part of last year, me taking the year off, I thought about screw bodybuilding. I'm going to drop 20 pounds. I'm going to try for lead acting roles. You know, okay. every time I was on set, directors and producers were very impressed with me of how I understood direction, and yeah. flow, how things were supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, listen, you can really do this. Give it a shot. And I was, I signed up for classes and I thought of them like, do I really want to be a fucking actor? I'm like, that's a horrible life. First of all, you're lucky enough if you book work. Most yeah. of the time you're starving to death and waiting tables or doing whatever. Yeah. I'm like, and if you do, you're on set like 12, 16 hours a day for months on end. Yeah. It just, it wasn't the lifestyle that I, that I thought about that I really want. Like, I don't want to be famous. I don't care about that. I just okay. want to be financially secure. So I said, screw it. And, uh, I still do the commercial work because, um, I'm part of the, the union. Yeah. And if I make a certain amount of money every year through commercial work, I get to keep my health insurance. So my health insurance is amazing. So that's okay. literally the only reason why I do it. Really? Yeah. It saves me like 12 to $13,000 a month plus yeah. the 20 grand that I make. So it's like a 30 something thousand dollar swing. Yeah. 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 So it makes it worth it. Uh, how often do you go and not book? Because I've, I've done like a bunch of auditions myself here. Yeah. And, uh, I think I landed like two part, two commercials, like way back in the day. Yeah. And then I lo- I missed out on like eight and I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing it anymore. So how many times do you go and land a, a, a book something? And how many times do you go and it just nothing pans out? Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I book about 80% of the stuff I go on. Are you serious? Yeah. That's awesome. So it's so- like, it was like me, like back in the day when Cali Muscle was out here. It was yeah. either it was either me or Cali Muscle. Yeah. And now um, Luca Pentazona, big rush uh, Italian bodybuilder at a Gold's Gym, was just a monster. So it's yeah. either if they want like a monster, they go with Luca. If they want someone that's pretty, they go with me. So okay. that's kind of what it's been over the past couple of years. 
So you last year sounds like you thought about hanging it up. Yeah, yeah, I was ready. I'm just. I mean, let's be honest. You know, the you start thinking about long term. You start thinking about family and and the health repercussions that go into this. You know, I, I love the sports death. I love the training. I love the diet. I just I don't like the chems. I don't like what it takes yeah. to be at a certain level. So I'm just I'm kind of at a point where I'm just I'm over it. I was going to ask you that when you're talking about the keto diet. So when you're on the keto and you said you're adding tissue, is your gear on high? Like, are you on high doses or are you just? Uh, I actually back things down a lot this year. Like I said, I what attribute is, a lot to it to new fit. Can you give me an example? If you don't mind, you don't have to, but what is, uh, what does backing off look like? So currently right now, my cycle that I started last week is yeah. 600 milligrams of test E a week, 400 milligrams of Primo, 400 milligrams of EQ. And six I use a growth right now. Nobody's gonna believe you. I know. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just saying yeah. no, the only reason I say that is because that's actually a reasonable stack. Right. It's, it's not crazy. But people just when they look at yeah. us, they think they think thousand mil fifteen hundred, two grams of yeah of test and seven. A gram of this and a gram of that. Yeah. It's yeah. like Yeah. So you think that's enough for you just to maintain your muscle or even or even put some on? Put put on. That's that's essentially what I did last prep. So that's what I did for the first uh I added four weeks of ment at 280 milligrams a week, which I thought was just the estrogen on that was just too crazy. So I don't, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. But for my first seven weeks, I did that same exact cycle. And then I added in 280 milligrams. Uh, I dropped the, the Primo yeah. and added in 280 milligrams of trend and 280 milligrams of uh, mast. In the yeah. last four weeks, I added in 50 milligrams of Anabar. And that was my okay. prep cycle last year. That's not a lot considering That's like whatever. yeah yeah um do you think that have you ever been on high doses or you always been like a moderate dose guy i've never been over a gram of test you know never been over like four or five hundred grams of eq uh never tried deca or anything like that so always been always been pretty moderate under definitely under you know three grams a week for sure two and a half three grams even it doesn't peak it doesn't seem like you've um suffer any of the side effects like you still have your hair like your skin looks good like you think you attribute that to like being pretty yeah metho- methodical in your approach yeah and, and and honestly those things are more important than anything else um you know actually one of my clients is giving me shit i took a photo me and my wife went to san diego this past weekend for a little night getaway yeah and i posted a picture from three years ago and that day he was like bro your hairline i'm like the fuck am I going through all these old photos? Like, did my hairline really move? I'm like, you fucking asshole. I literally, I went like, I'm sitting there showing my wife, showing some of my clients. I'm like, did my hairline change? They're like, no. I'm like, dick. Don't lose your hair, dude. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Um, what, I'm amazed at, I'm fascinated by the methodical approach you've taken because most guys don't do anything the way you've talked about. Like, most guys, and, I, and I'll use me as, I'm, I'm most guys, uh, if they're not winning, they want to get bigger and the bigger means more and more and more and more and more. And you've kind of like took a step back before you even got there. I mean, I'm not, I'm a fucking competitor. I don't like losing, you know, that's course. sure. You know, like I step on stage and and there's times that guys place ahead of me and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, how the fuck did they beat me? You know? And it, it blows my mind. Um, and then there's guys that I know that no matter what the fuck I do, I'm never going to touch that. You know, yeah. I'm a very yeah. realist yeah. when it comes to competing. Um, but there's one thing that, that I was taught. Ed Connors taught me this. Tell me who got third place in Tampa last year. I don't know. 
Yeah. Tell me who who won Vancouver three years ago. Me. <laughs> no, I think that was like I, I don't I don't remember actually. Anyway, what's the, what? Go ahead. The people fans don't know. They don't care. Yeah. Your fan base just wants to see you on stage That's and present right. your package. That's right. So from a marketing standpoint, just getting up there and competing is the world to them. They don't care if you're if you're first or if you're fifth or sixth. Sponsors may care, but yeah. if you're smart and you know how to market yourself properly, that shit doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So it's about bringing a physique that you're happy with, that you like, and just competing, getting on stage. Okay, so let me agree with you here. Uh, from a marketing standpoint and from a financial standpoint and from a fan base support, all that I agree with you hundred percent. So uh, like I haven't competed since 2017. Yeah. And my fan base has actually grown in the last more in the last three years than it did in the previous three years when I was competing. But like you said, you're a competitor. So I would, I never thought about any of that shit when I was competing. I was like, I just want to fucking win. Yeah. So you were able to like stop yourself from going to that level where you're like, I don't care about everything but winning. It seems like you kind of thought about everything all at once. I, I thought big picture more than anything. You know, I thought longevity. You know, to me, a successful career as a pro would have been competing for 10 years and doing like 30 pro shows. That's a successful career. I mean, how many guys do you see that are flashing the pan? They come oh, out, they're big hits. They're fucking, they're the next new thing. And all of a sudden, two, three years later, they fall off, whether it be health issues or whatever. You know, so consistency in this game is the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just about building a name for yourself and a brand is kind of what I've all been, always been about. And I know that for me, being trying to be a mass monster or being the pretty boy, what's going to serve me best? Being the pretty boy. Yeah, yeah. Staying in shape, not looking like I'm all geared out, you know, all the time. And having longevity in this sport was always the, the winning formula for me. Uh, I, I respect what you've done this year a lot because it takes a, it takes a, a, a very strong mind to be like, you know what, I'm going to step back and revamp this whole thing. And you've kind of done everything like against the grain. Like yeah. nobody, you don't know, I don't know any of the pros who are fasting or on like a hundred percent keto diet right. and are still maintaining their physiques. Like it's crazy what you've done. It makes me want to try it because my main focus, if I ever get back to it, is like, I want to shrink my waist. Right. But I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified. You couldn't, you couldn't get me to like, hey, go on zero carbs and eat, uh, you know, half a gram a pound of protein per pound right. for the next six. I couldn't do it. I just, yeah. I would freak out. I just don't know where that mental strength comes from, where you just set your mind to it and that's it. It's just, I I knew I had nothing to lose. You know, I'm fortunate. I have a sponsor that if I retired tomorrow, he'd he'd be the first one to congratulate me. Who's your sponsor? I'm with Anabolic Design, AD. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been with them for going on five years now, you know, about to sign my my five-year contract. And Joe's told me a million times, uh, he's like, you know, I'm sponsoring Brad Rowe. I'm not sponsoring an athlete. I don't care if you compete. You know, he's like, I think you're actually a more valuable asset not competing, you know, because he's trying to get into more like a health and wellness spectrum. And okay. that's kind of, you know, more mainstream stuff. And I can be that mainstream kind of layover between, you know, hardcore bodybuilding and, and yeah. just boy mainstream look. So, you know, I'm fortunate just to say, you know what, I can do things my own way, how I want to do it. And uh, I have a great support team behind me and all of that, but I make enough money on my own that I don't need a sponsor either. You know, if you yeah. drop, it's a little bit of a hit, but you know, I've created enough names for myself and, 
and I make enough money that I don't need that. I'm not reliant upon that. So, you know, that's why I was able to do it. How did you know that Cali was the place? Cause I've always dreamt of, you know, every bodybuilder wants to move out to Cali and live there. And how did you know when you got there, you're like, this is it. I'm moving out of here. Yeah. I mean, you go from New Hampshire, you know, snowy, shitty winter, and then you come out here and it's exactly. beautiful palm trees. And, you know, like my, I actually got tricked. It's like the first time I came out, um, it was the flex pro that you had done. And, okay. uh, you know, they're in that gold's gym and there's all these pros at the gym. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I moved out there. And then once I got here, there was no pros. And then they all left. It was, yeah. like, yeah, it was like, like Jerome Ferguson and big will were the only ones at the gym. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? This is before Dexter came back or even road yeah. was around. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. but the weather was great, you know, and the opportunities were there and I was booking commercials and, you know, I made a name for myself. I met my wife. She's born and raised in LA. And, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, I hate it here with a passion. You know, Do you really? I, I want out more than anything. Yeah. Why? Uh, just cost of living, uh, the homeless issue. Um, you know, people just suck. Traffic's miserable. So I've been out there a few times. I don't know how you do it with the traffic and everything, man. Yeah. It's insane. It killed me. Like we bought our house two years ago, and we bought over in Inglewood, which I'm only nine point eight miles from the gym. So yeah. when I go at four o'clock in the morning, I'm there in sixteen, seventeen minutes. Yeah, I'm home at six o'clock at night. It's an hour, hour and fifteen minutes to get home, and I just want to kill yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. gym twice a day, you know. So it's it's eat, eat ate my soul, you know, a year ago, big time. But honestly, the the vision you have for creating like that wellness center you're talking yeah. about that's that's here. That's, it's got to be there. Like yeah, I can't here or like Florida, and that's it, you know. But but the type of people that I'm going after, yeah. Uh, right outside of Venice, it's an area called Playa Vista, and yeah. that is the—it's the new epicenter of the tech boom here in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I want those execs, you know, that only have 90 minutes of their day to come in. They get their workout in, they get their hit cardio. I can train them in 30 minutes on that device. Yeah. They get their hormone and everything in there. They hop in cryo, grab a juice, grab their meals, and they're out the door. You know, they're going to drop—they're going to drop six to ten grand a month, no problem. Yeah. Know, for that. So and, you know, and then you're close enough to professional athletes, and I'm going to have everything where professional athletes are going to want to train there. So it's going to be a destination. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your wife is from LA. What, uh, how long have you been with your wife? Uh, we've been together for eight years now. So we've been married for five. Okay. And, uh, yeah. She's born and raised. Well, for the most part, born and raised here. So she has some family here and, uh, she's a Hispanic girl. So there's no way she's going to friggin' New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> brown doesn't go to snow yeah so, uh, you know we're, we're here and uh you know she has a lot going for her here and uh you know it's before we bought our house um you know we looked everywhere we were thinking about going to vegas we were thinking about going to dallas area we thought about going to florida we literally wait boise idaho we, we laid out the pros and cons everywhere yeah decided to stay you know just because we know from building a name for ourselves and building a future for ourselves this is where we need to be right now. Hopefully yeah. in five or so years, then we can move. But until then, this is where I need to be. Is she a pro too? She's a pro too, right? No, no, no. She, oh, she's not? Yeah, yeah. She she got second and third at nationals twice. Okay. And, then, uh, and then after the injury, and she went through like severe metabolic damage and took forever to, you know, get everything situated. She's like, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm done with competing. You know, she just wants to be healthy. So she just works out just for health reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Just trains, you know, she stays in good shape. You know, she loves to train hard and heavy, but, uh, 
desire, you know, she every once in a while she gets the desire to get back on stage, but uh, she's got a lot going on. You know, she's she runs a full time dog rescue, and okay. uh, that's really emotionally and, and time consuming. Yeah. Uh, she just took over as the head of marketing for this huge um, uh, private security company that does uh, like video surveillance and, and armed guards and all this stuff. They have locations all across the country. So yeah, she just got herself a nice full-time job in the rescue. So she's, she's busy. Was she competing when you guys met? Uh, no, she had dreams and aspirations of competing when we met and uh, I kind of forced her down that path. Okay. So let me, I have a theory about this and I just want you to tell me if it's way off or not. So she wanted to compete. She met you. You were competing already or you were? Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense, right? Now she's not competing and you seem like you're kind of away from it. Do you think it's kind of like what I'm trying to get at is this, if your partner, let's say she was still competing or is she even turned yeah. pro? Do you think your mindset would be different? Uh, not really. I don't think no. so. Um, you know, she's, she's the most supportive person in the world. If I told her I want to do 20 shows a year for the next yeah. 10 years, she'd be by my side. Oh no, know? I don't mean it that way. I don't mean yeah, as yeah. far as, I just mean like, um, I almost mean subconsciously. Like when your partner's doing something different, it kind of makes you want to do you know, something. Like, I, I can be an asshole sometimes to her. Like, you know, she, she gets really off track with, with eating and stuff like that. And I kind of ride her ass a little bit. You know, she, <laughs> she starts getting a little fluffy. I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, you might want to put a, how do you say it to her? Egg whites instead of the whole eggs, baby. Is that what uh, you say to her? Is that how you get yeah, to kind of yeah, get the point yeah. across? Uh, we're very, we're, we're very blunt and upfront with each other. So really, whatever we have for issues, we kind of just put it on the table you and know, it's okay. I mean, we hate each other for a day or two, but that's, that's what needs to be said, right? You sleep on the couch or no? Uh, I sleep in my recliner pretty often. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what was I, what, um, do you guys have any aspirations for kids or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we wanted to last year and then, uh, not gonna lie. It was just, it was a really shitty year for us, for our marriage. I mean, we, we talked divorce, everything. Why? If I, if you, do you mind getting into it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's fine. Like, I mean, so we're both very independent people. And yeah. uh, one of the beauties of being independent is you don't need someone stuck up your ass all the time. Mm-hmm. But one of the other downsides is, is we don't put enough effort into each other. You know, okay. we're like, Oh, I can be busy, you know, 23 hours a day and Brad's okay. Or Stephanie's okay because you know, they're strong people. And so we just never nurtured our marriage enough. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she got into the whole dog rescue thing, which is an amazing venture, but, uh, she kind of neglected her own business. She was doing business coaching and mm. life coaching and she just wasn't making money financially. And, yeah. uh, you know, she was spending all this time rescuing dogs and I just built a resentment towards her. And, yeah. uh, you know, so we, we had a really rough year. I just, you know, I came to a point where I, I have four dogs of our own and I love my dogs individually four fucking big dogs is a lot yeah man i come home and i'm stressed out and i just i don't even want to be around them because all i want is like 30 minutes decompressed because i was i was training like 10 12 people a day almost all last year and uh you know so just i built a point where i i hated my home environment yeah uh you know so i would purposely take clients later at night so i didn't have to be home um you know so you know we kind of hit rock bottom and i kind of gave an ultimatum to get a full-time job or give me a kid and uh, she took the job, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know we, you know we did the whole counseling thing, and we went to a counselor. And really, 
she was like, listen, you guys love each other. You know, it, it's apparent the way you talk about each other. It's like, you just don't put enough time and effort into each other. Yeah. So we made a, a pact that, you know, once a month we're going to go at least do a one night and get away someplace. And we have certain date nights set up. And mm-hmm. ever since uh, Christmas, we've been, you know, it's not a long time, but with, you know, all those, yeah. all those negative feelings and, and thoughts of divorce have been completely out the window and things have yeah. been amazing since then. So do you still have the four, do you still have the four dogs? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So. Uh, I think four dogs is insane, man. I got, I got a dog and I, my dog's 16 years old. So he takes a lot, he needs a lot of attention because yeah. he's so yeah. old, but uh, yeah. we also have a cat and I'm like the two of them alone. I'm like, this is fucking yeah. crazy. So yeah, I can't I imagine. A, Go ahead. So I have a, a, a pit bull, a Doberman and a German shepherd that are all three years old. <laughs> and then I have a 12 year old, 11 uh, year old Weimariner okay. and he's, he's starting to go downhill. And then yeah. we have two outdoor cats that, randomly got adopted because they were down the street and my wife started feeding them and all of a sudden they started coming to our door so yeah. we have two cats and then on top of that we have she has about anywhere between seven and nine dogs at a time in the rescue they don't stay at my house most of the time but every once in a great while we have to foster at my house like right now i have another dog yeah. uh, that stays in her office and wow. we can't interact with our dogs so it's just it's a it's a juggling mess at times you know that's crazy man it's a, it's got a, that's got to wear on a relationship though it, it does. It does. You know, and that's the thing, like, like individually, I love my dogs. When you get four dogs together, big dogs, and they're just wrestling, and all you want to do is just decompress, yeah, unwind after the day. It's you know, it, it created a stressful environment in the house. But again, on the flip side, she was working from home. I was never home because I worked my ass off. I wasn't showing her affection. So the only things that were showing her love and affection were these animals. Yeah. So that's why she just got. You know, I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, I and. Every time that we came across, because three of the dogs are all strays that we found or, or rescues, um, and every time that we'd get another one, I thought in my head, okay, if I give her this dog, which is what she loves, then because she was kind of like unsure about kids or didn't want them right away, I was like, if I give her dogs and make her happy, then she'll give me kids quicker. And it was kind of the fucking opposite. <laughs> so like, it sounds like you're the one. Cha- it sounds like the one you're the one chasing kids, and she doesn't want them or wants to wait wait she, she wanted to wait you know she wanted right. she wanted to wait till she got a little older she had dreams and aspirations that she wanted to accomplish before we had kids and things like that you how know? old is she uh 32 okay so she's no spring chicken either so you know <laughs> you better hope she don't listen to this <laughs> it's funny you said that about date night you know me and my wife uh we've been together for 13 years yeah and the same thing happened. Well, we, we weren't on the verge of divorce. I mean, there was one year where it was pretty bad, but just this last year, we've started doing the same thing. Every Saturday night, we go out to like a nice dinner, not like some bullshit, like five guys or some shit, like right. yeah. put on, like put on some nice clothes and go to a nice dinner and have like a couple drinks. And like, it's amazing though, when you put in the effort to do that and you might have a drink and it kind of loosens things up, you ha- how much fun you have with the person. Because yeah, exactly. you, you kind of forget why you married them in the first place. Right. And then when you start doing that shit, you're like, oh, yeah, I actually like this person. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, she's fun yeah. to be with. Yeah. I mean, I bitched about her, but, like, I, I have a lot of lay to blame on that, too. You know, like, yeah. I, here I am. I'm talking to clients all day and being social all day. And then I come home and the last thing I want to do is fucking talk. That's right. And she wants to talk about things. So that's what you do. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> so I yeah. smoke a joint and I just shut off, you know. So, like, I, I, I caused a lot of it myself, too. But... Yeah. Yes, like this past weekend, um, I had to go down to San Diego to work on Sergio. Sergio one, you know, hired me to train him a couple times on the newbie going out. And I was like, you know what? Like, just come down with me. 
we'll get a nice hotel downtown San Diego, go out get get dinner. That's what we did, you know. So mm-hmm. like once a month, we'll go someplace, you know, a, a city, whether it's an hour away, yeah. go get a hotel room, go get a nice dinner, have a few drinks, throw on some lingerie, have some dirty, crazy hotel sex, and you know, just spice <laughs> things up. You know, it's just yeah, you, you need that. You know, and it's just it gives you a much better appreciation for the other other person. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's amazing for yourself, for your for your own yeah. soul, to realize that hey, I did make the right choice. This is this is yeah. the one I want to be with. Well, it feels good when you can make them happy too. Like right. it makes it makes her happy when I throw on like a dress shirt and I'm not wearing my fucking hoodie and a pair of warm ups, <laughs> and I like yeah. actually take her out somewhere nice for a glass of wine or whatever. Like yeah, it, it, she appreciates it, so it makes them feel good that way. Yeah, I think um, our, our biggest turning point was Christmas. So. Christmas Eve, we had a huge blowout fight at her mom's house. Yeah. Her family started talking about like her obsession with animals, like when she was a kid. Yeah. And that just snowballed. And I started throwing punches left and right. And, you know, next thing you know, she starts breaking down and crying and runs off. She never cries. Yeah. So we leave Christmas Eve early. So Christmas Day was kind of shitty. So we just spent the day together. And she tells me that she'd been late on her period. She's never late. And so we go to dinner. I'm yeah. like, all right, we'll go to CVS and get a, a, you know, pregnancy test. Yeah. But from when she told me, all the way through dinner, through the movie, and when she took the test, I was so happy. <laughs> we were just, we were joking, laughing, having a good time. Yeah. And the next day, I was like, "How did you feel? Like, were you scared? Seeing as we have had horse talks, like, really seriously." She's like, "No." She's like, "Just seeing you happy and, and how we interacted made me feel so secure yeah. that you truly love me." And I think that was truly our turning point that that really kind of changed things. Since then, we've been great. That's so good. It's funny how those moments just kind of can change you and make you realize how important that person is in your life. I know that feeling. Uh, me and my wife don't have kids. I don't think we've exhausted all possibilities, but we don't, we just don't have kids. And there was a couple times she was late and I know the feeling you get like this really giddy, like, yeah, you feel like a fucking child almost. <laughs> you just have <laughs> It was like one time she was late for a week. I'm like, this is the best week of my life. Right, right. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, I know the feeling. But yeah, I know you're right. It kind of reminds you uh, what the person means to you and all that. So um, so you mentioned training Sergio. Is that something you have a passion for? How many clients do you have? Uh, so probably I average about six, seven clients a day. But um, you do it. This is all in the gym. Yeah, yeah, all in the gym. Do you do, anything, do you do anything online? Yeah, I have about 40 or so clients online that I do okay. prep for. So okay. I, do, I do a little bit of everything. I cook meals for people. I, you know, I, do you really? Yeah. I, I, is, I, it part uh, of, is it part of the service or just because you're nice? No, no, no. I, I, so I used to have a full-fledged meal prep company. Like before Megafit and all these companies came out, uh, me and a business partner started a meal delivery company in LA. We were doing 1,000 meals a week at one point. Holy shit. And, uh, the business relationship just died. Like I just I wanted to kill him every time I saw him. Uh, so... Uh, over the holidays when things kind of slowed down, I was like, let's just stop. And from there, I kind of maintained a bunch of clients that I had previously. Yeah. yeah. Slowly, I've been trying to dissipate them out. So I just have one set of clients now that I cook for his office staff uh, at his business and cook for him for the meals for the week. So it's like 60 meals a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, but, uh, you know, but do you charge, but do you, do you charge for those clients, those food, that food though, or do you just, Oh yeah. 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 yeah so it's like 15 bucks a meal. So, you know, I probably, I make about 10 bucks. So it's about 600 bucks a week. Yeah. In actual income. So, so you never, so you had this business. How long did you have that business for the, the food prep business? Uh, three years performance foods. 
and you just dropped it. Yeah. Yep. So I, I had, a, we had different visions. He wanted to stick with like more gourmet working with the upscale, you know, Beverly Hills types. Yeah. And I wanted to get the meal delivery, the shipping. Yeah. Stuff. That's where the um, money is though. The volume. Right. Yeah. And, uh, we just saw, he didn't think that that was a viable thing. And, uh, then arguments came about over how we were splitting up revenue and stuff like that. You know, I was the one in the kitchen twice a week cooking. I was the one doing majority of the deliveries. We had a couple of employees. I was putting in all the man hours and he was just basically doing the book work and he was trying to pull some bullshit saying that we had to split, uh, all the earnings and everything. Yeah. So it, just, it created a, a, a tense situation and uh, we dissipated. And then like six months later is like when Megafit and Icon and all these things popped up and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so you never thought about restarting it? I mean, you already have the experience for it and everything. Yeah, it was it was it's a lot of work. It really it was. And, and the biggest problem in LA is trying to find kitchen space. You know, you're paying an arm and a leg to rent kitchen space. We were renting from a bakery. We could only use it from like two o'clock in the morning until like four thirty, five o'clock, because the bakers would come in, and before that, there was food trucks that were in there. So it's just it just from a logistics standpoint, it just it wasn't feasible to do in LA. Yeah. Where'd you get the cooking experience from? Just from self-taught or did you work somewhere? Yeah, I was a single mom, uh, raised by a single mom. So if I wanted to eat, I had to learn how to cook. <laughs> so, so you're just self-taught. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions before you go. I noticed your YouTube page is blowing up a little bit. I've seen some day in the life videos with some big numbers. Is that a like a passion for you or just a hobby? Uh, just kind of a hobby. I mean, I, I would, I really want to do more, but uh, as you know, financially, like I, I can't videotape and edit shit myself. Yeah. You know, so we get a point where we're like, Oh, let's put out one video a week. And the next, you know, like you're dropping 2,400 bucks a week or a month and you're really seeing no return on revenue except for increasing, you know, exposure. Yeah. So, and then most of the time, like my days are the same shit over and over again. I just train, I eat, I sleep, I work people, you know, it's like, how, how interesting can this be? You know, I know. So I know. that's why I'm not too consistent with it. Like once I hit prep and everything, obviously I'll pick things up a little bit, you know, we'll do more like they love seeing stuff with me and my wife because we're just, yeah we kind of spat back and forth. Bigger, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'll try to do like a video a month at least, if not a little more as we go forward. Yeah. I, um, I run into that same problem. Uh, cause I'm trying to do a lot of YouTube videos now and I'm like, you know, the, the podcasts are easy cause I have a different guest every week and right. it, it's right. interesting just talking to different people. Right. But I try started doing these vlogs and I'm like, my day is just the same shit. It's just yeah. like I'm, I'm eating, I'm training. I'm like, yeah. You start running out of content really fucking fast. Exactly. So, so and people, they say like, how many workout videos can you do? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, I could have some video take me workout every day, but for what? I mean, there's, there's no, there's no good value to that. You know, they want to see yeah. more interesting shit. So it's, you know, I figure I'll keep doing it until they stop watching. There you go. If I keep putting up the same shit and they keep watching it, I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, okay. Last, last couple questions. I just want to ask you. So, yeah. I'm curious about the keto diet. You said you did Japan on the keto diet. Yes. Do you carb load at the end for that? Yes, I did. Yeah. How hard, how hard do you carb load for that? Like when do you start your carb load for that? So that was actually, I, I took a risk and I, and I struck out hard going into Japan. Um, my whole idea of going to the show was I'm always told that I need to come in bigger and fuller looking. And, and I've always been known as more of a conditioning guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I do look a little stringy on stage, but with the stringiness also comes better waist control. Yeah. 
So uh, for Japan, I decided I was going to carve up a little harder and really come in with a really full look. And I was doing like a thousand grams of carbs, like wow. four days into the show. And typically I never eat the day of a show. I don't want food yeah. in my stomach so I can have you know a good vacuum and everything. Yep. I took down like 700 grams of carbs day of the show. My waist wasn't terrible, but I spilled, you know, I was yeah. a little watery looking. Um, yeah. So it was, it was kind of a failure from that yeah. point. You know, it's, the it's a learning experience. The reason I asked is I kind of have the same thing you just mentioned. Like for me, like I have a wider waist yeah. and I can be like the last like weeks, you know, three weeks out, two weeks out, one week out, my waist looks really good. And then once I start carb loading, it just, just goes like this. Slows up. Yeah. So I'm kind of the same thing. I don't want to eat the day of the show. So I was yeah. just curious, like, how do you go from being keto with your waist, like perfect. And then you just start eating all these carbs. Does your waist just explode or like, let's say, uh, let's, let's say you didn't do the 700 grams the day of the show. I, I, think, you- it looked, I think it would look okay because like I did like a heavier carb load up until Friday. And then Friday was more of a heavy fat day. Just uh-huh. kind of yeah. Hold that load a little better. So yeah. it's less voluminous. Yep. Yep. So, and then when I woke up in the morning, I felt like I was, I could have used a little more pop. So I decided to add more, more carbs in that day. I should have just stuck with the fats that day. We're our own worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. I always want to feel like I have more pop and then it ends up being more right. pop in my fucking waist. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and I, and I, I've coached myself for the past two years too. So it's, you know, yeah. it's, uh, trial and error, but you know, I'd rather, I'd rather fuck up on my own fault than fuck up because someone else is guiding me. Do you feel like you have a lot of freedom because you have such a successful personal training business? Like what, like what I mean is this, it, it feels like, like from our conversation so far, it feels like you take time off whenever you want from competing. It feels like you can change your diet whenever the fuck you want, not worry about not doing well. You coach yourself, all these things. Is that all a result of having your own like financial freedom? Oh, a hundred percent. You know I mean? And, and, and just being realistic with where I see myself going, you know, if I had a frame, if I was two or three inches wider through the clavicles, things might be different, you know, you'd look but like Jay I, Cutler. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I might, I might pursue things harder, but I know that no matter how hard I push things and how much drugs I push and how big I get structurally, I'm never going to be one of the elite guys. So, I know, I know, but I guess what my point was, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, no, you're good. Just trying to clarify my point. So I guess what I mean is the reason you can pull back and the reason you can have such clarity, in my opinion, or just from what I'm listening to is you have this really successful personal training business and other businesses. And it feels like that gives you the freedom to be like, you know what? I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not reliant on bodybuilding. I'm not reliant on the stage the stage because I love it. That's I my love point. the process. I, you know, I love, I'm a masochist. I love the pain. I love the suffering. Yeah. I love all that. So even if I'm not going to be the most competitive, I still do it because I love the process of it. Yeah. And I love being on stage. I actually identify with you a little bit because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you have as many injuries as I do. Yeah, always. Really? Is it, is it just the way we train or what is, I can never put that's, my that's on. The only, People give me shit all the time, but I'm like, I push myself to the absolute limits almost every single workout. Eventually yeah. something's going to give, you know, I, I, I didn't, trained smart throughout my career at all yeah it was just push as much weight as you can you know it was just grip it and rip it you know my first my first like six or seven reps 
clean form. Then after that, maybe we're going till I can't hold on to myself anymore. You know? That's just how I with everything would be the plyometric work, whatever, you know, so we push our bodies to such great boundaries. Something's going to give. But I feel like other bodybuilders push them. Like I train hard, but I feel like other bodybuilders train as hard as I do. And I feel like my body just can't hold up. Yeah. Is it just is it just a genetic thing? You think? I, like, I think so. I mean, there's going to be some type of tensile strength to to tendons and stuff like that. But again, I'm I'm also on top of health stuff. You know, I'm I'm, I'm taking collagen. I'm doing the BPC one five seven, all this stuff, and I still get tears and shit like that. You know, but it's something yeah. I've also had throughout my whole career. You know, I've mean, torn my hamstring like ten times in college playing football. Yeah, yeah. I was, always had these little injuries and stuff like that. So I, you know, I do think that there is a genetic play in it. But I also think that we're wired to not stop until we break. Yeah. Do you think it's, I find it really hard when someone looks at me and is like, why don't you just train differently? And I'm like, I'm trying to train differently. Yeah. I do my best to train, but somehow it still fucking happens. Yeah. Like, have you, have, like, I, I tried the whole, you know, I trained with Charles Glass for a couple of years. I love Charles and he's a great trainer, but just the slow squeeze and everything else. Like I watch like how Ben Pikulski trains people 40 second reps. And it's just like, that's so fucking boring. That's exactly like, it. I lost, I lost my passion for training when I trained with Charles. I had to leave. Yeah. yeah. I lost that, that, yeah. that desire every day I go to the gym. I was just like, fuck, I don't want to be here. That's right. And if you feel like that, you're, you're, you're in a losing battle. No yeah. matter how great the training might be for you, you're in a mentally losing battle. You have to do it the way you love it. No, I agree with you. And I, you know, I actually said that to somebody because somebody was asking me like, what do you think about the slow squeeze time under tension, fucking that kind of training? And I'm like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying to say it doesn't work, but it's not fun. Right. Like I have to have fun when I'm training. Like it's, that's the whole reason I'm there. Right. Because so, we love what we do. We're so passionate about what we do. You know, every yeah. aspect has to be great. Yeah. Um, what is next for you, Mr. Rowe? Uh, so I'm going to do the Arnold Brazil. Yep. And, uh, like I said, I might do the New York pro, but definitely the Cal and the Boston show. And then I'm going to see what kind of overseas shows are in the fall. So is there, is there anything, uh, you want to plug or promote or anything you want to, any message you want to put out there before we go? Cause everybody always has thoughts that they want to get out and never kind of get a chance to get them out. Is there anything you, uh, I mean, I plugged, uh, AD already. Just want to thank Joe for sticking behind me for five years. And, and another person that really got me into the keto is Joe's been a lifetime keto guy. Oh, really? Has done a ton of research, written articles for, for magazines and everything. And so he, he's kind of put a lot of his life effort into understanding keto. So he's made me feel a lot more comfortable when I was doing this because it was always something that I'd, I'd pick his brain on. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and, and just a great supporter. Uh, New Fit, I want to thank them for. Uh, helping me because not only did they get me set up with the device, but uh, you know, they, they've helped promote me and, and push some amazing athletes my way. And uh, it really kind of gave me a new lease on life. You know, a year ago before I got the newbie, you know, I was just training people every day and I just kind of got bored with it, sick of it and didn't like yeah. training anybody anymore. And now I've opened a whole new realm where I'm working with professional athletes. I have Olympic track athletes on my roster. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm working with all these crazy celebrities and stuff, helping them rehab from all these injuries. It's just, it's opened so many doors for me. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, you know, my wife, she's my rock. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and everybody out there, just just do what you love and, and do what you're passionate about and, and stay true to who you are. And I think that's the biggest issue is people try to become something that they're not or try to become, you know, 
try to create their physique or something that they don't really love just to appease judges and, and appease fans and things like that. Just, just do it how you want to do it. Do what you love and you'll find success in life. Okay. Um, I am not going to do keto. <laughs> but, I'll but, get you on one day. But I'm actually really interested in the fast. Yeah. So when I decide to start fasting, I'm going to hit you up and give you and see if you can give me some tips and shit. Cause I, I, I think I want to try uh, John's method of doing the 24 hour fast a day, yeah. uh, a week, every week and see what happens. Yeah. But I'll hit you up and uh, see if you can give me some pointers on how to get through it. Cause I, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get through it. So Are you going up to the Arnold? Uh, I'm hoping so. Yeah. I think Luke, uh, Luke and uh, James are going to come here. We're going to go to the Arnold and meet up with John uh, Meadows and Evan Senapani. Okay. So I'll be there. Are you going to be there? Uh, potentially. Sergio has been begging me to go out there. I'm going to try to find and set something up. So I might go out and train people all week on the machine going into the show. Um, are you working with Sergio on more than just the newbie or are you doing his diet at all? No, just, just the newbie. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, part of what it does is it volumizes tissue so much that it gives you such a great pump going into yeah. that week before the show that he's begging me to go out there. And so is Dexter to help them out uh, that last week. So yeah. I, might, I might go out there and, and set up some training. I was going to say, I want to get you on it and just let you I, out, just blow your mind. I was just going to ask you if you can save a slot for me. I'd love to yeah. try it once. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's, let's touch base again like before the Arnold, see if we can set something up. All right, brother. Okay, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, brother. We'll talk soon.